Jew rather be known as being wise or being a fool? When I was in a university, I had a, I'll say friend, acquaintance, we'll say friend, okay, a friend uh, named Josh. Um, and Josh, uh, uh, one of his roommates was the university asked him, the roommate to host a student that was in high school who was looking at coming to the university. So the student's there for the weekend to check out the school, that kind of thing. And so the school really wanted you know, to give a good impression, that kind of thing, so this kid could come to the school. Well, um, Josh decided that he wanted to have a little bit of fun Perspective student that was coming. And the student's name was Justin. Okay? So when Justin comes in to their, their dorm room, Josh comes out of out of his uh, his bedroom and he's got on a headband um, and wristbands and his workout gear um, and he's blaring I am a tiger as loud as he possibly can out of out of his room. And, uh, and he comes out, and he's got these uh, workout equipment that he's made himself um, where it's a stick, and then he's taken milk jugs and put water in them and tied them to the stick. And this is his exercise equipment um, that he then proceeds to turn into nunchucks. Um, and so he's, like, going crazy, slinging these things around and whatever. And, uh, and he asks the, the, the kid, he's like, what's your name? And the kid's like, uh, Justin. And he goes, Justice. I will call you Justice. Your name is Justice. And so the rest of the weekend, he kept calling this guy Justice, even though his name was Justin. Um, and then Josh goes, my name is Captain Wolf. And then he said a word I will not say in a sermon unless I'm referring to a donkey. Um, and so, so he starts running around calling himself that. And, uh, and so he's, like, completely got this kid, like, oh, my goodness, back to sleep in the same place where this guy lives. Um, and, uh, and Josh really made himself out to kind of be the fool in the situation because uh, he thought it was funny. But the really funny part was after one day of this, he decided that he didn't want uh, Justin to think he was crazy anymore. So he tried to prove that he wasn't crazy but he couldn't, and that was the funniest part, because he really was just kind of out there. Um, I'm happy to say now that after a long road in Josh's life, uh, he now is uh, a lawyer with a healthy family and doing very well in his life, but at that phase in his life, he was, he was really kind of out there. Um, and so I, I tell you that story to, to say, so sometimes we do kind of act like, but what we see in Scripture is a lot of instructions for us about being wise, and that's where we are today. What we do here at Father's House is we work through the Bible, um, and so uh, we, we're going through Ephesians right now, so we're going to pick up today where we left off last week, um, and so we're in uh, verse 15 today. Says this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, 
making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, Paul here, of course, he's talking to Christians, and he's telling them, he's like, hey, here's what I want, I want you to do. I want you to be wise and not foolish. This is the game plan. We're going to be wise people who want to use wisdom in our life. We're not running around foolishly doing all kinds of foolish things. And why is that such a big deal? Why would it be so important that Christians walk in wisdom? Well, it really all goes to the gospel. It really all goes to the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and lived a sinless life, died on the cross, paid the punishment for us so that we could be saved. It, it goes to the fact that he rose from the dead, defeating sin and death for us, and setting us free. Like we sang about earlier, we are free, free indeed. And in that freedom, what he calls us to do is to be his representatives in the world. There's no greater symbol or no greater example of wisdom than Jesus Christ. And if as Christians we are to represent him to the world, then we should just strive to model that wisdom to the world as well. And so, so if we're going to represent him, let's do it wisely. So Paul gives us here two areas where we need to be wise. The first one, Christians are to be wise in our use of time. He says it this way, making the best use of the time. What does that look like? What does it look like for us to make the best use of the time? We can look back over this past week. A lot of us are pretty tired right now. We've been pretty busy. We've had a lot going on. Is it the best use of our time to, to come and put on a kid's camp all week and tell them about Jesus? I think that's a pretty good best use of our time. We had people here that were from the States that they gave up their vacation time, they gave up their, their money for vacation in order to come here to help us do that. I think that's a pretty good best use of the time. But saying, he's like, hey, 100% of the time what you need to be doing is putting on kids' camp. I don't think that's what he's saying here. Yeah. Okay, Lyndon, you're sick in the head. Um, the rest of us are like, yeah. And Lyndon's like, let's do it again! Um, <laughs> sorry. Got a little distracted. Uh, um, yeah, while we're completely off subject, there's a great song out there.
Sometimes the best use of your time is going to work and working hard at your job. Sometimes the best use of your time is to exercise. Always preach my sermons to myself first. I would propose that the best use of your time is to spend time with your family. Sometimes the best use of your time, if you are married, is to spend time with your spouse. So as a Christian, how can we kind of put together what is the best use of our time? I would say maybe this. The best use of our time is to use our time in a way that brings glory to God and is accordance with His will. You can nap for the glory of God. You can work. to be living and walking with Him day by day, moment by moment. 
doing that, he's going to guide your steps into where he wants you to be for the big picture, for the long range. So what is what does Paul go into here? What's God's will for us? Verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. But God's will is for us to be filled with the Spirit, not with drunkenness. Be filled with the Spirit, not with drunkenness. The issue and the, the, the topic of alcohol is one that Christians have, have really wrestled with uh, throughout uh, history since Jesus was here. Uh, what should we drink? How much should we drink? Should we not drink? So on and so forth. What does the Bible say? Well, the Bible is pretty clear on it. What the Bible teaches is don't get drunk. Don't get drunk. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't get drunk on beer. Don't get drunk on anything you can get drunk on. That are legal in our country now. Don't lose your senses according to those things. That's the same thing, same principle that's at work here is drunkenness. Um, so the Bible's clear on that. But what some Christians have said is they say, okay, well, the Bible says don't get drunk. So that's that's where God doesn't want me to cross that line. So in order for me to make sure I don't cross that line, I'm going to come over here and I'm going to draw myself another line, which is don't drink.
he also got another new pastor's story. A student that I worked with when he was in high school, and at this point he was off at university. Well, in the States, especially in the South, it's a big part of university culture uh, to abuse alcohol. Like, that's a big part of it. Just get drunk, get wasted, that kind of thing. And, like, that's considered, like, a rite of passage or whatever. Um, yeah, it's not right, but it is what it is. But one night, in the middle of the night, this guy called me. And as soon as I answered the phone, I could tell he was calling because he was completely wasted in the middle of the night. tell me that the reason he called me was he and his buddy that he was drinking with got into this argument where the buddy said that he didn't believe in God. And so this guy who was uh, his senses drunk was very upset because his buddy didn't believe in God and he wanted his buddy to believe in God and so he, he called me to help for me to help him get his buddy to believe in God at like 2 a.m. when they're completely drunk so I told him, <laughs> I said, well, I gave him a couple of things he could talk to his group about. I said, the most important thing is sober up and then talk to him. Like, get your senses back and then talk to him. And, uh, and the thing is, this kid that was calling me, if he, weren't, if he wasn't drunk, he, had, he knew everything to say to, God, to somebody that said he didn't believe in God. He had it all up here. Spirit in us, we can 
things, but you cannot listen to it. But you cannot let the Holy Spirit guide us and lead us. John MacArthur says this, Although every Christian is indwelt, baptized, and sealed by the Spirit, unless he or she is also filled with the Spirit, he or she will live in spiritual weakness, retardation, frustration, and defeat. So even though you have this great resource at your disposal, this great gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you don't let it take over, if you don't let it let Him guide you, then you're going to live spiritually weak. You're not going to grow. You're not going to mature in your faith in the way that you should. So what does it look like when we are filled, filled by the Spirit? Here's what it looks like in verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's what it looks like when you're being filled by the Spirit. That's why when we come here, we sing. We like to sing here at Potter's House. I have people from friends from other churches, pastors, even up from our services down in class and ask later, well, what, so what do you think? Like, we don't sing a lot. Like, yeah, we do. We got a lot to sing about. Um, and so, one of the reasons for that is what this, this verse says right here. We're addressing one another. others in song, and you can be addressed as well. Where you get that encouragement from fellow believers who are also singing songs of truth. When you're filled by the Spirit, the first thing we see here is you will sing songs of truth to other believers, other Christians. Um, I know I kind of have a, a little bit of a reputation with leaders um, for being uh, kind of a stickler on what songs we do sing and don't sing. Um, and so, uh, and this is why. Because when we sing something, it's the same as if I'm preaching. And so we want to make sure the words that we sing are the truth. And so there are Christian songs out there today worship songs out there today that, man, they sound great, and like, they even make you feel good, but when you strip the music away and you read the words, you're like, what is this even talking about? Like, like, yeah, I can sing ooh for like 20 choruses, but like, what does that even mean? You know, are we just completely leaning on the spirit will express the God in words and groans that we can't understand? Like, well, let him do that, not us. Let's sing stuff we understand. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and so that's, that's one of my things is, is I want to make sure the things that we sing are in line with Scripture, 
in line with what the Bible says. Um, and so, uh, one of our, our worship team, or even just one of our church members, will say, hey, I, I really like this song. Um, let's do this song. One of the first things we do is we strip away the music and we read the words. We say, is this, is this truth? Is there truth in this song? Well, well okay. Well, then, let's sing it, right? Um, sometimes I get one and I have to go back to them and say, I can't match this with scripture myself. I don't know where they're coming from with this. And part of that is I'm not the most poetic minded person. Right? And so some songs out there that use a lot of poetry and that kind of stuff and imagery that I'm just like, I can't make this child myself help me. Um, and so if you like this song, help me understand it according to scripture. And so, uh, so we do that. We wrestle through that with someone.
He doesn't say I have to sing well for my part. And so I am very thankful for that. But what he, what Paul does say here is that we are to, that we're singing and making a melody. Like that, what's translated there is making a melody. It's talking about instruments. It's talking about music. This is another thing, different churches, different church traditions approach this differently. So all you need is a piano. All you need is an organ. Others like all you need is a full rock band with a snow machine and light show. Um, and and so, but the point is, is that Scripture tells us to make melody. And so, if God has given you gifts to make melody and to sing well, then thank you for blessing the church with that. Number two, under ways that we are filled by the Spirit. First, you sing songs to treat other Christians. Second, you sing and make music from the heart to the Lord. And the reason that we're doing that is the third thing, what Paul tells us, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to give thanks in all things. When you're filled by the Spirit, then you're a grateful person.
Thank you. 